This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with your host, Mark Schlereth. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Bet Rivers Sportsbook and Dude Wipes. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Alongside Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlereth, Millennial Ben, producing the show, brought to you by the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app, check them out at betrivers.com. Also, brought to you by Stinking Good Green Chili. Check us out at stinkinggood.com and the great folks over at uh, Dude Wipes, dudeproducts.com. Slash stink 15, 15% off all your dude wipe products. Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm still wrapping my mind around the idea that the Cincinnati Bengals, mm. the Bengals, are going to a Super Bowl. I I have not. I have not been able to. Now, I, I listen, let me just tell you this. Joe Burrow is all balls. That dude is... Like, that dude's got to cut out, like, and put stretchy material in his Wranglers. Like, that's how all balls that dude is. So, I'll give him a tip-o, tip-o the cap. Um, there's no question about that. But I have a t- I have a really tough time thinking that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. I it just, I don't know what, I, I mean, I do kind of know what it is, Mike. And I, it goes back to my playing days. I have a tough time thinking about the Cincinnati Bengals in any other way than you know, the Cincinnati freaking Bengals. Like, death, taxes, and the Bengals will suck. Three certainties in life. And it's it's interesting. You know, we used to – it was this running joke. Whether I was playing for Washington or whether I was playing in Denver, it was always the same thing. Like, you walk in – like, let me just kind of take you through, right? You get on the bus Sunday morning, and you roll over to the stadium, you know, and – and, you know, there's nerves, and you're kind of going over whatever you're going over mentally. You're listening to music, or you're going over plays in your head mentally, some things that, you know, that are challenging during the week, some looks that they give you. You're thinking about that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you get in, at least me, I get in there, and, you know, I want to get into, get your clothes off, put on your, your, your shorts and a T-shirt, whatever, and, you know, methodically kind of go through your day. And, you get a cup of coffee, you know, you tape up a finger, and, and then you just kind of go. I just never wanted to feel rushed, right? So this is kind of my process. And one of the things you always do is you pick up the game day magazine. You know the magazine you buy at the at the stadium, right? And it, you got the rosters, and you got little stories about It's called a program, Mark. Yes, right, exactly. So you pick <laughs> up the, Yep. Well, they always say game day on them. 
Uh, yeah, right. It's a game day program, yeah. right? So every locker would have a game day program in front of it. And so as you're taping a finger and you're sipping on your coffee, you can go through the roster. You can look at whatever feature articles are in there. You know, just kind of thumb through the magazine, if you will. And one of the things we always would do is when we were playing Cincinnati, we'd thumb through the, the game day thing and see how many first-round draft picks were on their on their roster. And every time you played Cincinnati, you'd be like, dude, they would have literally – seven first-rounders starting on defense. And then you would think to yourself, how do they suck this bad? Like, they have got so much talent on this roster. How are they this bad? And it would be like a running joke. Like, dude, we got th- you know we got two first-rounders on our defense, or we got two first-rounders on our offense. They've got seven. How are they this bad? You know, why can they not figure it out? And it was like this running joke. And it's, it's hard for me to look at the Bengals – in any other way than they're the they're the Bengals, they're the Bengals. right? Yeah, and so it, which says a ton to me more than anything. It says a ton about the importance of the quarterback and the importance of the culture and the importance of creating that. And I what, think what comes first? What comes first, the the quarterback or the? Because you, I know you're a big culture guy. Yes, you're a big culture guy. In fact, you know, we here in Denver, we've been talking about a, a coaching search that landed Nathaniel Hackett. But at the beginning, you, you were you were putting a big emphasis on the need to bring in somebody that can change the culture. Yes. Did Zach Taylor really change the culture, or is it just simply you seem to have found the right guy at quarterback? And and he, with no. his talent and his presence and everything that goes along with it, he created the culture. So uh, it, it is a bit of a you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg type of thing, right? I think that the culture has to be established from the owner down. So the owner has to put a, a, a you know, put a, a emphasis on that. The coach has to believe it, to to live it. Um, And then when you get the quarterback, he's got to fit into that and he's got to be, he's got to be the guy that, that exhibits it on a day-to-day basis, that that lives it on a day-to-day basis. So I don't think there's any one right answer. I think it's I think it's everything working in unison together because you can have a guy with a great skill set that has, you know, unbelievable talent, unbelievable knowledge of the game, everything. But if he doesn't adhere to the coach and the mantra for doing it the right way, for studying, for preparing, for, you know, for being a good teammate and all that kind of stuff, it, it like the Jeff Georges of the world, you're, you're just not going to win. So I, I just – I think it is established to me the owner empowers the head coach. The head coach establishes the culture. The quarterback comes in and is an extension of the head coach in the locker room, if that makes sense. And then when you have that in proper alignment – and then you have a dude that has giant balls <laughs> playing quarterback for Gotta you. Gotta have giant balls. <laughs> Gotta have giant clackers. Those things need to be enormous. <laughs> um, you've got the makings of you got the makings of something special. And as I, Joe Burrow, like I'll just go to the AFC Championship game. Remember in the divisional game, he got sacked nine times. Like how? How do you win? 
in a game in which you were sacked nine times. How does not how does that not speed up your mechanics? You know, like if you've been sacked nine times, you've been hit. Like he threw a seven route in, in at the end of that game that was pivotal to keep them driving to give them a chance to tie that game up, or what, I think it was to tie the game up. I can't remember exactly, but it was an exceptional throw. And at that point, he was protected, and he hit the he hit the stop. He, you know, he he hit the the back of his drop. He hitched up once, boom, threw a strike. Um, you know, to the uh, to the sideline. It, I mean, it was you know over a corner in front of a safety. I mean, it was beautifully executed. Right, it's a perfect throw. And you're like, how are you not sped up? How mm-hmm. is that that accurate? How are you not just that calm in the pocket? No to go, happy oh, feet. Right. I'm 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 protected now. Let me just step up here and make the let me just make a dime piece. Right. Like, how do you do that after being hit? You know, in the mouth, you know, but sacked nine times, hit in the mouth. I don't know how many, twenty. And, and and also, by the way, a guy had his knee shredded. Yeah. A year ago. And oh, in that game. Got got rolled up on his knee and was uh, was limping early in that game. So like that that stuff is that is next level stuff. Like it's it's hard. He's been sacked on, on the season over fifty times. How many times have we seen that ruin? Go back to David Carr in Houston when he got sacked seventy times as rookie. Go back to um, Patrick Ramsey in Washington when Steve Spurrier was his coach. Like it, it's hard to overcome that stuff. And then. In that game in the AFC Championship against Kansas City, they had him dead to rights in the second half to what I what I thought would have kind of really helped end that game. They had him dead to rights. They probably had him sacked four times where Chris Jones is draped all over him. Somehow he wriggles off the hook and either scrambles for a first down or throws a dime piece for a first down. He must have done it four or five times in the second half alone, Mike. I just – like that stuff is – that stuff is rare. He's showing he's showing a rare skill set um, that I have so much respect for. Even though I give you know Cincinnati fans a, a lot of grief and and you know you've earned it, you've earned that grief. But man, I tell you what, I just keep I just keep betting against them. You should hope. You should thank me. You Cincinnati fans should should actually thank me for picking against Cincinnati. I might be the reason. Don't let me pick for them in the Super Bowl. Don't let me do it because you guys will be in dire straits. What a shock. Mark uh, making it all about himself. Uh, what happened to the Chiefs? What happened? 20, 21 to 10. Yeah. First and goal. Right at the end of the first half, staring at a, a golden opportunity to get the double score right before the end of the half, get the ball to start the second half. Instead, they, they throw that pass out to Tyreek Hill. He gets stopped. And then the second half. Patrick Mahomes, second half in overtime, eight of eighteen for fifty-five yards and two interceptions. What happened? I think I, you know, for the first time in that I can remember watching Patrick Mahomes, I thought he got rattled. I know that he was told, "Hey, man, you only got however many four or five seconds here. It's either an incompletion or a touchdown. Got to come out quick." It's open. First read's open. Hit him. If not, throw it out of bounds. And all of a sudden, you decide, let me throw the swing over here. You know, and that's that. That was never meant to be thrown, Mike. You know what that is? That's a distribution. That route is a distribution route. Meaning, meaning we're gonna we're gonna jet sweep Tyreek Hill out over here. He's got so much speed that 
two guys are going to get eaten up. Mm-hmm. They're going to be shallow. They're not going to get depth. They're so afraid of Tyreek Hill that we're going to distribute their defensive players so we can get a one-on-one slant behind it or whatever it is you were running behind it. That's all that is. That is just to distribute the defensive players, get them out of har- like get them out of harm's way, open up a window that we got to hit. And if that window's not there, it's a one-read throw. Throw it out of bounds. Stop the clock, right? That's that's what you're trying to do. And instead, call it a brain fart, whatever it was, you throw it to Tyreek Hill, and you get stopped, and you don't get to kick a field goal. So you could have gone up 24 to 10. I don't think he ever overcame that. I think I look at that. There's two things that I think went on here. Okay, one, same thing that killed him in the Super Bowl the year before. Football hubris. You're going to play Kansas City in two high safeties. I go back to my own career. I, this resonates with me. I can hear Mike Shanahan's voice. They're going to play us in two high safeties? Like, are you you're kidding me, right? You think you can get away with that? Like, you think you can play us that way? Oh, oh, no. Uh-uh. We are going to bludgeon your asses. Until you bring that safety down, and if you don't, we're going to run it for 200 yards. How dare you? The audacity and the unmitigated audacity to think that you're going to do that to us? Dude, you're going to come out bloodied. And when you bring that safety down, we're going over the top for a touchdown. And yet... Andy Reid, going to play two-eye safeties. Nah, that's not the way we want to win. We got a big lead, but we don't want to drive it down methodically, running the football averaging six-plus yards per carry. That's boring. We want to get it over the top, even though you're playing a safe two-high defense. So you're playing cover two, cover two man, quarters, cover six. Like, that's what you're playing out of that stuff, right? And, and... It just, it blows me away. That's one. Two, I think think Patrick Mahomes chased in the second half the big play to overcome the enormous gaffe. Mm. I think he was like, let me just go rectify the gaffe by making the spectacular. And I think in the first half, man, Tony Romo was talking about it. In the first half, he's like, this is where he's matured. Look, you know, there's a high-low combination in the middle of football field. He doesn't like either one. He throws the swing outside. Bam, eight yards. Bam. It just was methodically picking them apart underneath, taking advantage of those things. And the first three drives were touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. It was simple. And then you had the one big mistake, and for the rest of the game, you're chasing the spectacular. We talk to Joel Clatt all the time on our program here in Denver, Colorado, and and he always says, "Hey, don't get, don't go broke making a profit. You can't go broke making a profit, or don't don't get tired of the boring." I read this poem today. I can't I, actually. You know what? I, I read this poem today, and it just resonated with me, Mike. And I think you'll really, I think you'll really appreciate it. A okay, poem. a poem. Don't ask like your hickory dickory doc. Yes. Hickory dickory dock. No. Uh, Don't Ask Your Children to Strive by William Martin. Are you ready for this? Okay. Don't ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. 
Such striving may seem admirable, but it's the way of foolishness. Help them instead to find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes, apples, and pears. Show them how to cry when pets and people die. Show them the infinite pleasure in the touch of a hand and make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. Sometimes you just have to embrace the boredom. Sometimes you have to embrace the ordinary. Sometimes you have to embrace the mundane and let the extraordinary happen on its own. You know what? You run the ball, you bludgeon them, you make them, you force them to get out of that too high shell, and guess what will happen? The extraordinary. Because they're going to be a man short somewhere. Somebody's going to have to cover Tyreek Hill man-to-man in those situations. And you know what's going to happen? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get you. And, and that, to me, is kind of the essence of more games are lost than won. Mm-hmm. Like another reason I have a tough time embracing Cincinnati, you didn't win that game. Kansas City lost it. The football hubris nature of that coaching staff and what that quarterback did lost them a game. Yeah, let's be honest. That's, and I'm, I, I firmly yeah, believe no, you're that. You're right. You're right. Well, the Bengals benefit. They're on to the Super Bowl. They'll play the Rams. L.A. finally getting over the hump. And and you liked L.A. last week when we talked on this show. You said you you thought the six-game losing streak to the, the 49ers would end, that it was time, that they were just a better football team. And it was close. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, as we as we watched that game, we, we knew we were watching the better team. Yeah. I Yes. And, I mean, let's face it. You, you look at... You look at the Rams and what they've been able to accomplish, and and their their case study to me, like first and foremost, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford guy, have been forever, and I love to see a guy that many in the business that I'm in have doubted for years and years and years, and haven't truly understood why he's had the lack of success that he has had. And to see that, you know, be rectified, to see him representing his football team as the quarterback in the in the Super Bowl, I think is I think it's a really cool thing. So, I'm excited about that. Moreover, I'm excited about just um I'm just excited about like Cooper Cup and the unselfishness with which the Rams play. Um, you, you talked about, we started this program talking about culture. Like, how do you get, and this is fascinating to me, how do you get a culture established where a guy that everywhere he's gone has been the front runner that's been considered somewhat of a malcontent in Odell Beckham Jr., roll in and on the sidelines in the divisional round going, it's not about, it's not about, you know, uh, it's not about me. It's about us. We got, you like, like totally adopting the culture that has been established with the Rams and Sean McVay and especially the receiving core. And, you know, as they call them, Bobby Trees, 
You know, it starts with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson. And it starts with all those guys essentially sacrificing in the run game, doing things the right way, being tough, you know, doing all the things that we end up, you know, talking about ad nauseum. And then here comes a guy who has been, you know, a superstar, been the attraction, been, you know, with the Giants and with Cleveland. And it just, like, it's fascinating that that guy all of a sudden has come in there, fit in perfectly seamlessly, and has adopted that culture. Where was where was that established? Well, it was established through ownership, general manager, and head coach. Now, the quarterback came in, and like I said, has been an extension of that in the locker room. But that was established from the organization to begin with. And I don't know. I just I just find that really cool. I think that's a, a, a really cool aspect of what the Rams are. That, there, there is a – I don't care what age you're at, what, what profession you're in, there is the, that level of peer pressure that still exists no matter – Right. How what level you get to. And if you're an Obel, Odell Beckham Jr. and you get into this situation, you see Cooper Cup mm-hmm. laying himself out, blocking, sacrificing, all those things. There is a part of you that looks around and sees how that is rewarded, accepted, demanded. There's a part of you that's like, wow, um, who am I to not fit into this? Right. Right? I mean, it, I— I mean, yeah. if, if 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 these guys willingly do this, then who am I to not? Let me tell you what. Ha- let me tell you what's happened. It's the what best happens, kind of peer pressure. Right. What happens to you when you play next to a dude like Cooper Cup? And same thing. I talked to multiple guys about playing next to Ray Lewis. How many dudes became, you know, became kind of the Peter Bowers of the world and the Sharps of the world, and all these guys all of a sudden became names? I'm not saying they weren't good players. But they played next to Ray Lewis, and they're like, oh, shoot. I had to pick my stuff up, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that ends up happening to you, you talk about peer pressure, but the the, the tape don't lie, man. All of a sudden, they put the tape on in front of a team meeting, and one dude is playing at a different speed than you. One dude isn't the primary, and he's running a route at a different speed than you are. One dude is getting down there and, you know, push crack on a safety, and he's playing at a little different speed and a little different tempo and a little bit different uh, aggressiveness than you. And all of a sudden, you see him do it, and then they show you, and you're like, oh, shoot. Man, I I look, I, I'm, I'm... That's a bad look. Right, I'm slow motion. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, you're like, dude, I don't want to, like, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that peer pressure, that embarrassment. That's how cultures are built. Oh, no doubt. We used to put, th- this is great, and I've given this to a couple coaches that I consult for that have, have adopted this. So when I was in Washington, or Joe Gibbs, we would randomly, every morning, put one play on from practice. And so Joe would say, all right, here it is, practice tape. Hit the fast forward button, whoever the, you know, offensive quality control guy was or defensive quality control guy was. And um, and he'd choose somebody like, hey, man, uh, okay, Mike Evans, your turn today. Tell us when to stop. And so you're going, okay. Stop. All right, let's look at the play. And we would assess everybody's effort on that particular play. And if it was one where you were slacking or you were, you know, you had a 
put a certain amount of money into the cookie jar. And so it became one of those peer pressure things like, don't be the guy. We did the same thing in Denver with a nine on seven drill. Nine on seven is, is the most physical drill. It's the run. So it's, it's our, you know, our, our guys on the offensive side of the ball versus your front seven, right? And mono a mono, there is no threat of pass. So you're not reading Jack squat as a defensive player, right? Mm -hmm. You're coming down freaking hill. And so it was full pads and it was, you know, it was full pads. So, um, let's go Woody low, you know, I mean, let's just like, it's smash mouth. And I kid you not the next day, Friday morning, we watched it as a team. We watched it as a team and Alex Gibbs ran the meeting, my old line coach. And if you screwed up in nine on seven, I kid you not, there were nights I didn't sleep. Thursday night. Thursday night going, oh, shoot. Man, I, you know, I had this play. I got it's my show up. I got my ass kicked in this play, you know, and sure enough, man, Thursday morning. It'd just be like, 69! <laughs> you know? Oh, you suck! You know, and you're just going off oh. and just rewinding it and showing it and rewinding it and showing it and just, I mean, cussing you up one side and down the other. And he would always have some, you know, funny little quip about how bad you sucked and <laughs> And be in front of the entire team. And the whole and, team's laughing, and secretly they're like, thank God it wasn't me. Thank yes, God it wasn't me. Yes, And, I mean, and there was no there was no virgin meat on anybody's behind. Like, it, it all gets chewed. I mean, I've watched him absolutely undress John Elway. Really? In the 9-on-7 drill for not carrying out a fake. Who do you think you are, number seven? What the, what? Yo, man, just like, oh, Dude, it was it was like you just were sick, <laughs> sick, and he's got the he's got yeah. the room laughing, and you are the butt of the joke. Uh, oh yeah, that that peer pressure is real, and um, and it it just points to the culture that they've established with the Rams and the way they've done it, Mike, where they've traded unknown commodities for known commodities. Like draft picks? We don't need no stinking draft picks. They have three Give picks right now. Three picks. They have three picks in the 2022 draft, a fifth and two sevenths. They don't care. Yeah. They're We're in a win-now win window. Right. Go for it. Since Sean McVay has gotten there, now they have parlayed. I mean, obviously they drafted the best player in football in Aaron Donald years ago before Sean McVay was there. But it's it's Vaughn Miller, it's Leonard Floyd free agent, it's a trade for Matthew Stafford, it's trade for Odell Beckham. Jr. No, he was cut, so it was just sign Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, there's some draft picks. Obviously, Cooper Cup is like a third round draft pick. He's great, um, but they they just like their accounting firm. Like they, they just, I mean, they they which I love as a fa I as a too. fan. I, it's like, look, if you're if you're telling me, I. I can win a Super Bowl, mm -hmm. but it may mean I have two or three, four year, lean, four lean years after that. 
I'll take that chance. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll roll the I'll roll the dice. And come on, I mean, obviously the Rams got to be the favorite in this in this game. They I mean, are. Um, I just think it's there's there's just different ways to do it. There's different ways to approach it. The thing the draft gives you is salary certainty because of the rookie wage scale. It, it keeps your it keeps your salary cap number down. So you can, you know, invest in your prominent players that become, you know, eligible for free agency and stuff. But the bottom line is, you know, even the first round, I mean, 30% of the guys are are busts, you know. Maybe 40% of the guys are good player or okay starters or whatever. And, and you know, whatever the math left over, I'm not a, you know, math. What's 30% are, are, are superstars, right? right? Was that, did I do that You're right? close. Yeah, somewhere in there. Math always gets scared when you start yeah. staring down on it. Yeah, math is like, <laughs> math is hiding in the corner right now. <laughs> this little dunce cap on after math, I go out. Math is like, uh, is like you on a Friday morning after nine on seven. Yeah. Trying to hide in your seat while yeah. Alex Gibbs takes you apart. Hopes nobody calls on you. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I can only imagine what you guys would all file into that room. Do we with would be... dread like who's it gonna be today? One. No, you knew who it was. Oh, you knew? Yeah, because you knew when you screwed up. Yeah, but what if more, more than one guy screwed up? Well, yeah, but 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 you it was know, a small group. You, oh shoot! As an offensive line, we come in after that practice after nine. And we'd be like, oh, my God, I had this play in nine on seven. You know, and you'd be talking about it. And then the next morning, you'd be back in after no sleep. And you'd be like, oh, my Lord, here comes the meeting. Uh-oh. <laughs> and they'd be like, what, what the hell happened? I go, oh, God, I saw this. That, you know, I go, oh, they're like, oh. And then, then everybody is like, you know, we're all a bunch of children, all excited to, to see you get busted. <laughs> yeah, you just, all you wanted to go was through uh through the program clean. That's yeah, all you that's wanted. That's all you want. Well, hey, looking forward. Next week, we'll be all over. Uh, Cincinnati and the um, and the Rams, the matchup, yep. and uh, all the other bit of news that the NFL has always given us every uh, every week. Absolutely. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, for our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Bet Rivers, also the great folks over at DudeWipesDudeProducts.com slash Stink15 for 15% off, uh, and download the app uh, at uh, BetRivers.com. Also, Stinking Good Green Chili. Check us out at StinkingGood.com. For Mike, I am Mark. For Millennial Ben producing the show, we thank you so much for listening.